This episode is brought to you by Living in the Light Co. Brooke started this as a passion project in 2019 while working full-time as a nurse. In 2020, she felt God was calling her to use it as a ministry and left nursing to pursue this full-time. All L-I-T-L Co. apparel is designed custom by Brooke. No items are purchased through mass sellers. All of the bows and scrunchies are wholesale through small U.S. businesses and are handmade. Their goal is to wholesale through more and more small businesses so that customers know where their items are sourced, who is making them, and ultimately can be reassured that when they spend money with them, it is going to wholesome families who are creating beautiful things to support themselves. And personally, my favorite part about them are their priority is to ensure that LITL Co. is 100% spiritually based and run, and they do not cave to culture. So head over to their website, www.litlco.com, and use the code THOSEGIRLS to get 10% off of your purchase. Thanks. And, and I used to tell people, and this may be a little bit counter, counter, counterintuitive or counteractive, but um, what I appreciated from the Republican Party at the beginning was the fact that I wasn't a statistic. I wasn't a Hispanic male straight, yeah. you know, middle to low. I was an American. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. said, son, you're an American. You need to defend the values of this country and defend the values of your state. And that is limited government, the freedom to worship, the freedom of speech. And 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 so, yes, we need to have a targeted approach to Hispanics, but not because they're Hispanics, but because they share our values, right? Mm, and, and share our concerns and not say, oh, you're my token Latino or you're my token this. It's you have genuine concerns that affect all of us yeah. as Americans, as North Carolinians. Mm-hmm. And Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? <laughs> well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. I'm Victoria. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. All right. We have an incredible guest on, Juan Pleites. He is the former chairman of the North Carolina Federation of College Republicans. He is the current, is it policy advisor? Is that right, Juan? Uh, for, for which one? I, I hold many hats. Sorry. So. Okay. He's the current <laughs> policy advisor for the North Carolina Federation of YRs. Are you, it's also policy advisor for the WIP, right? So it, it would be political director for the political. North Carolina Young Republicans. Sorry. And so I'm not quite the policy advisor for Representative Hardister, but I am his legislative staff assistant. Policy okay. advising is one of the things that I do, though. 
Okay. <laughs> um, he okay. is a former intern for the Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest office. He is a senior senior at Williams Peace University studying um, political science, and he's done all this, and he's only 22. And it's just crazy. Also, possibly <laughs> our future president. So I mean, oh, my goodness. Oh, no. <laughs> Remember his name. Remember me. I'd like to be on your cap. No, I'm just joking. I will say, um, I hope this quote doesn't come back to haunt me ever. But, like, that is one role I would never want to have as president of the United States. It, it is just not appealing to me. I don't uh, I, I don't see why anyone would want to be president. Um, but, you, you know, wrote, more more power to you, uh, I guess. Now, I will when you <laughs> run, wait, wait, when you run, I'm going to send this clip to one of the people that you're running against. Will you run for president? <laughs> now, I will <laughs> ask Juan, and, like, you don't have to answer. I'm just curious. Like, would you rather be the politician or be the behind-the-scenes person? Oh, good question. See, that's something that I've sort of struggled with a little bit uh, throughout, because I've kind of worn both hats, right? I've been sort of like the behind the scenes person, particularly with Representative Hardister uh, and, and my work here uh, with him, right? Sort of writing the, the press briefings and helping him sort of be prepared and uh, for legislative debates and also for- And running campaigns too. And, right, a, a lot of that. But then I've also sort of had to been the, the public face of different organizations, such as the the college Republicans during an election year, the uh, National Hispanic Republican Assembly as well, which I currently serve as vice chair. Uh, our chairman was actually uh, absent for the state convention. And so I had to give a speech on his behalf to the convention floor. And, you know, there, there, there are pluses and minuses for both things. So I haven't really decided what it is that I like most, right? I, I'm kind mm-hmm. of just the type of person who's like, all right, where do you need me? And I will fill the role to the best of my ability. I'm just, I'm just here to help really and 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 what I was what I uh what I told my state board uh of the college republicans at the very beginning is like listen like yes I am the state chairman right but by no way or shape or form is this going to be the one play test show this is the college republicans we're all in this together as a team all of you guys are public faces of it all of you can talk to the press to the media uh can go out and speak on behalf of the organization because it is much bigger than just one person rather than sometimes we like to see in these sorts of organizations um uh in the past just sort of making them about personality and about popularity really i'm just here to work yeah i think that shows how genuine you are and and i think it's an incredible view because like i mean i can't tell you how like how many organizations like i've been a part of and i think mal can agree that and it's like not just like republican organizations but like also like sororities and other clubs Mm -hmm. I've been in it's like people don't look at it that way when you become a leader Mm -hmm. of the organization you feel like okay like it's on me Mm -hmm. to be the face and it's not like a selfish reason I feel but it's more of like okay it's on me to be the face because I've stepped up to do the role in the organization where with and I think that's the better way to look at it it's like look like we're all the face because like this organization is so much bigger than just me just us it's Mm -hmm. everyone so i i commend you i will add to um part of Juan's bio he's one of mine and sebastian's best friends he was in our wedding um he's at our house at least once a week usually (laughs) staying the night like we have Juan's room at our place and um he's uh kennedy's first love 
the dog. The dog. The dog. need the dog's first love. We go, we're like, where's Uncle Juan? And she will find him. It is the funniest thing. She'll bolt out the door. It, it, it's she, great. She will. The most she rewarding will. part of any day. It really is. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cute. But no, I guess to summarize your 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 question, when I'm on stage, I, I constantly find myself loving it and also wishing I was backstage. And then when I'm backstage, I find myself also loving it and wishing I was on stage. Yeah. So so I don't know. It, it, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. figure it out eventually. I, I get that. I yeah. would say right now in my life, I'm like. 75% being okay behind the scenes but like that 25% I'm like I do like speaking and like being the boss and like mm-hmm. being like the face not the face I guess but just being kind of like the leader in this yeah right. I guess that also comes from the fact that like I never really intended to be involved politically that just wasn't something that I had planned out for myself or or anything like that it just sort of happened and it it was one of those things where you know when you're in high school and everyone's asking you all right what are you going to do with your life you know you're 16 you're 17 you're about to go to college you're about to be a a, an adult human you know what are you going to do with your life and I always thought I was going to end up in like some Charlotte business school or something and or or, or whatever but again life life uh, is surprising and uh, it just kind of led to this sort of journey where things just kept happening and uh, meeting new people and, and, and becoming impassioned about fascinating ideas like young people and uh, the Hispanic community and everything like that. And, and it just kind of led to this path that not only led me to Raleigh, but has led me to the legislature, to the NCGOP and to, to meeting just incredible people all, all, all across the way. Uh, um, but if you were to tell me five years ago when I was a freshman in high school, freshman and uh, or a sophomore, I probably wouldn't uh, probably wouldn't have told you that I that I'm where I am. Um, so I don't believe was, I've done much. So, I, so what <laughs> was that life moment? Because like I didn't realize this, and like I know you very well. Like I didn't yeah. realize this. Like what was that life moment that made you realize like I want to get more involved in politics? Yeah. So. A couple of things, right? Uh, but mainly the thing was that um, we went through a rough patch. Uh, my family and I did uh, back uh, in the early 2010s. Uh, uh, during the beyond. recession? Yeah, during the recession. Um, we had a small business, uh, a small restaurant in Lenore, North Carolina, where uh, I grew up. And um, Turned out that uh, my mother, at, at the age of uh, 42, she was very young, uh, got diagnosed with leukemia just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it was something that knocked her out in a month. Uh, wow. She, was, she wow. was gone. And obviously with the mounting uh, medical debts and also a small business that both of them, both of them, my father and her uh, ran, he couldn't sustain it. And so we entered into a period of very, of a lot of financial uncertainty right? Um, where we had our, my, my childhood home was foreclosed, uh, had it not been for the kindness of, uh, of, of one of the uh, members of the church that we went to uh, that offered us a, uh, a small little apartment, one bedroom apartment, um, we would have been effectively homeless, right? Uh, and so my bedroom was also the living room, was also the kitchen. Um, mm. and, and, you know, sort of growing up in that, and understanding sort of 
you know, seeing my father sort of struggle with it, but also uh, keeping that optimism up and, and, and continuing to tell us like, listen, like, it's going to be okay. We're fighters, we're going to keep going. And then, you know, we eventually grew ourselves out of that. I met a, a, a gentleman named uh, Ted Alexander, who uh, ended up being a state senator. Um, and he's the one that sort of got me involved in it. He, we actually, the house that we live in now, uh, is his childhood home. And so we got oh, really close because of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, this it was this like big abandoned red house that nobody wanted to restore and anything. And we were like, listen, we don't have a lot of money. This this is all that we can afford, right? And we built it up and, and now it's a, it's a beautiful home and everything. But so we had that connection there. But then, you know, eventually we sort of crawled out of that, that situation and, 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 you know, do hard work. And, and definitely my dad is, uh, I admire him for, for everything, for really not giving up and, and sort of not wavering on his faith throughout that entire time. If anything, it sort of made him stronger. And now, you know, he's remarried and I have a wonderful stepmom that's given me two very beautiful little sisters. And, and uh, but uh, during high school, I got involved uh, in a service organization called Key Club which is very similar to sort of the Rotary Club, the Kiwanis Club and stuff like that. And uh, they really emphasized a lot of like sort of leadership through service, uh, giving, it's giving back to the community, serving others. And during that time, uh, I, I got elected to their state board and got to travel to a lot of places across the state uh, and, and across the country to meet people that were in situations very similar to what I had just been through. And it was very interesting to sort of be on the other side of it, right? To instead of being the one that was necessitating or needing that leg up or help, being the one that had the ability to provide some sort of help, some sort of hope. Uh, and it, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience for me. It, it had a profound impact and the, sort of when when it was time to decide sort of what to do uh moving forward it's like okay well what can i do to be able to continue to help people in a way that is meaningful in a way that 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 people can see tangible differences in their lives and that's sort of where i saw uh the benefit and also the double-edged sword that is politics, right? Because it, politics is a very complicated business. Oftentimes it's a frustrating business, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the most rewarding things that I've definitely been able to work on, particularly this year, is our state budget. Uh, Representative Hardister is the, uh, is the committee chairman for the Committee on Universities uh, and also Education Appropriations. And so a lot of what we deal with is young people my age, uh, people going to public schools, charter schools, and sort of listening to those needs and listening to what they need to do uh, to offer our students and the future of our state the leg up that they need, right? The resources that they need to be prepared for those 21st century jobs. And so I, I, I fell in love with being able to help the dad that is working two jobs in order to make ends meet that you know the single mom that that is working overtime and struggling to pay for daycare and stuff like that it, to me it's like when I look at a piece of legislation I, I really like to think 
okay, who is this helping? Who are, what is the end goal of this legislation? Who is it benefiting? How are people's lives, how is North Carolinians lives gonna be better because of this legislation that we passed? I, I, I take issue a lot with empty political statements and empty rhetoric when there's no results, right? Mm, uh, eh, eh. So like Sebastian's uh, motto, results over rhetoric? I was telling I was telling Sebastian and 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 I told him I would never say it publicly, but I will say it publicly now um, <laughs> that 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 is such a brilliant statement. And it's honestly something that that I think that I, I've tried to adopt myself is to go beyond the rhetoric. Right. It, it, you know, to go beyond saying I'm going to help you do this or I'm going to help you attain this. You know, it's like, what have I done to sort of walk the walk of the talk that I have talked? Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, that that results over rhetoric speaks a lot to me because I see a lot of that uh, on both sides. It's a lot of people saying all of these things. But when you when you sit down and be serious, policy is very complicated and, and, and again, very frustrating. Um, but ultimately, you kind of have to, like, be principled and, and, and remember sort of what you came to whether it be your local city council chamber here in Raleigh or Washington DC what you were either elected to do or as a legislative staffer like me what you were hired to do and and what those sort of passions were that got you involved in the beginning which for me ultimately is just helping people right yeah I, I will find, and I, I mean, I love that one. I mean, that's just something that I think you and Sebastian have very much in common. I remember my first date with Sebastian. I asked him, I go, why politics? Like, because I like, we've been told that politics is such a nasty business to mm-hmm. be in and it's mm-hmm. awful and it's like something you don't want to do. And I asked him why politics? And he goes, because it's the most direct way to making a difference in someone's life. Yeah. So I do want to ask though, it sounds like a lot of the problems you describe that like you like you and your family dealt with and like the problems like you want to help like that single mother the there's the messaging that the democrats have that republicans don't believe in that and it's these democrats methods through um welfare through universal child care through medicaid and medicare what Based on like your experience, I would think like most people would be, well, you sound like a, like you should be a Democrat. Like, why are you a Republican? Because I believe in the responsible f- uh, uh, spending of our money, right, of the people's money. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we need to do instead of sort of expanding these programs and throwing money uh, irresponsibly is actually kind of sit down and see how we can make government more efficient. Right. I think we have fantastic programs uh, that legitimately help people in their time of need. Um, That being said, I think that sometimes they're run inefficiently. They're Mm -hmm. run, you know, too expensively to the point where you can kind of sort of assess it all and say, how can we streamline this? Because when people call call us and they tell us they have a problem with the Department of Employment Security or they're having a problem with with. uh, um, welfare, food stamps, uh, WIC, or anything like that, a lot of the time it just gets stuck. Their problems are just getting stuck in red tape. So not only are these um, programs not helping people, they're just, you know, not only are they expensive, but they're not even helping the people they were intended to help, 
right? So how can we, so my, my, my general philosophy in it is how can we sort of streamline the process to where you get the services that you need and then how do we create an economic environment where everyone has an opportunity and keyword there is an opportunity to get that leg up, right? So that it doesn't matter whether you are in a lower income neighborhood in Raleigh or in Lenore or in High Point or in Oak Ridge that it shouldn't be defined by a zip code. Everyone should have that economic opportunity. And I think that the Republicans have just had better policy to make government more effective uh, to make that happen. So to me, it's not so much about expansion, it's about efficiency. I love I, that. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I, I will add to, I think the economic crisis we're going through right now shows the inefficiency of Democrat policy when it comes to the economy. Because, okay, when you add more like red tape, when you have more government control, prices are going to increase. There's going to be a less of supply. And then that hurts the like people, like that hurts people, if, like especially low income. Because like you don't think like, oh, gas prices going up $2 a gallon is going to affect like that mega millionaire. Like, mm-hmm. okay, it's just like one less Gucci purse they can buy. Where mm-hmm. like just the working family is like, okay, how am I going to pay enough for gas to go to my job yeah and okay am I gonna just fill up a little bit of the tank because that's all I have right now mm-hmm. how am I gonna get to work so I can pay for this gas as well as a higher food costs right now I right. mean speaking of which really quick if you're listening um you can become a subscriber for one dollar a day or uh, one dollar a month um for those other girls um just want to add that continue and that place won't get infl- inflated so there you yeah. go yeah, it's one dollar one dollar a month you can help us because i mean what she's saying is incredible like we're i'll speak for myself like i i'm experienced like gas is so expensive there's so many mm-hmm. things yeah. and it's i mean like Vic was saying it's all these policies all of these yeah. red tapes mm-hmm. and it's so apparent right now sorry go ahead. i just no, can't because- even imagine what our budget would look like right now if i was driving to work like an hour right. to work every day right. yeah i mean right, it's ridiculous exactly. the other exactly. day i'll be completely honest with you the other day i put five dollars in and i was like i cannot believe i'm doing like i, I didn't think i'd be this person i'm like mm-hmm. trying to find pennies here and there because yeah. it's just getting ridiculous yeah and i mean and, we and, can't go out to eat and like we can't like even go to like chick-fil-a or mcdonald's and get food for two under twenty dollars right exactly and, and i think you guys sort of hit it on the nail for the multimillionaire elitist uh you know it's not sure it's one less gucci purse or something these people don't even account for that sort of stuff right but for the uh for for the average working american it's the difference between being able to go to work or not the -hmm. difference between being able to afford something else that you need daycare internet new shoes Mm. like all of these things these are real problems that people are facing and and it's funny um 
uh, have y'all have y'all seen uh, those like sort of uh, Instagram pages that have the uh, like the the Biden pointing at the gas gauge and being yeah. like, "My mom that. says she saw one at our local gas station." She yeah, said she saw so one. so I finally started seeing them here in in the Raleigh area. Uh, was in the last few days. I'm wow, very interested to see who's, oh, I'm who's putting to go that. Make them. I want to make yeah. them. <laughs> yeah my friend tried to order them from amazon and they blocked him so i said you Ooh. yeah i know well what i'm thinking is if you order it from amazon you're probably ordering it from like a country in china that saw it was popular but i told them mm-hmm. go to etsy so you mm-hmm. should like go to one of those pages Vic, and just kind of like see how they're okay. doing it yeah if you order from etsy you know you're ordering it from a american that truly believes that like <laughs> i did it like but yeah so i mean the economy right now um dang lost my train of thought no but but these these are real implications even even for young people right i mean i i uh i graduate in a few weeks and i'm talking to a couple of other uh students that have just graduated or are looking to graduate whether in the next week or in the next semester they're worried they're worried about what that what their economic prospect looks right. Uh, what if they're going to be even able to find something in their field? If they're going to be able to make rent, right? Because yep. look, student yeah. loans are a very real thing. And you, yeah. and quite frankly, when you take out student loans, you've got six months before the Department of Ed comes knocking on your door and saying, "Hey, remember that money you signed without really, really reading the fine print at age 18? Which, by the way, I don't know how we have 18 year olds taking out multi. <laughs> you know, I don't see thousands. why that's even like legal. That's, cra- that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Uh, and this is a plug for the community college system. Don't let anyone tell you that community college is not worth it or that you're somehow lesser for going to a community college. Community colleges, particularly here in North Carolina, are state of the art. They are world class. And other states are looking to North Carolina's yeah. guidance and leadership as to how to model their community colleges. You go to a community college in North Carolina, you are getting your bang for your buck. Believe me, I'm that pretty, means that. Mm-hmm. Well, go sorry, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that. the. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, really quick, I was gonna say the one in Charlotte. I'm pretty sure is the number one community college in the country. Mm-hmm. Like CPCC, people come from other states to come to CPCC. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I think they even have sports. Exactly. Yeah, there's and, a lot of junior that's called junior colleges. So, like, if an athlete needs to get their GPA up, they'll go to a junior college where they transfer to like a four-year program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think that we've seen uh, uh, going back to sort of Republican leadership at the legislature, we've seen a lot of uh, of movement towards investing in our community college systems. How high school students can do dual enrollment mm-hmm. to uh, then. Uh, you know that counts as college credits yeah. while they're in high school you can I knock say, out your gen ads like that and, yeah. and 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 then on top of that there are a couple of uh, uh uh there's a program i believe it's called like the carolina promise where you do two years at a uh at a community college and then you uh, enroll at a unc system school for the next two years at a discount price these are mm-hmm. tangible things that that really make the difference for lower and middle income people who are worried about what college tuition is going to be like, right? And so when, when we talk about sort of this larger topic that we're talking about, right, the economy, these are real policies that are affecting people. Mm-hmm. And the economic climate is sort of, you know, when we try to relate it to young people, is creating that uncertainty of like, where is my next meal going to come from? Because I don't have a job and I graduate in a few months. Right? And people don't want to move back home. Mm-hmm. And I, if you can avoid it, I'm telling you as someone who unfortunately had to avoid it, 
it's it's really i mean people especially people who are graduating i i'm praying for everyone because i have no idea because and i mean there are jobs but the reality is if you have loans to pay back if you have if you went to college um for let's say medicine the reality is you're not going to want to take a job at chick-fil-a and those are the jobs that are hired like and that's another thing too that i think people are like it's how it's affecting people because if you have if you need to pay back your student loans unless you own the chick-fil-a you're going to have a very difficult time working at chick-fil-a right trying to pay back those loans especially because yeah and the unfortunate and the unfortunate reality is that you know i, I i've seen instances of brilliant students you know that have majors in business and and and, and statistics and analytics are now working at walgreens uh, just because yeah. they couldn't find anything in their field you know it's rough it's, it's fresh for me to say that right i'm in the field that has like no job security whatsoever right if my boss doesn't get reelected if my boss doesn't get reelected i don't get reelected either right <laughs> or, or i don't come back uh, uh so every two years we get the we get to play a fun game in this office called will i have a job tomorrow absolutely yeah. it's because you know we're gearing up for campaigns again right and 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 working on 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 a couple of exciting campaigns coming up soon uh, i think 2020 is going to be completely 2022 for, for 2022. What did I say? We're past. We do not want to go back I'm, to 2020. I'm not over it. I haven't coped it. But yeah, <laughs> I think 2022 is going to be incredibly exciting. But that being said, I was like, in my mind, and, and I was talking to my dad yesterday, I was like, he was like, didn't you just go through this? That's like, how yeah. I feel. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, we just had elections and now we have filing coming up in like three weeks. It's mm-hmm. in three weeks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm excited. Okay. So actually first, let me say this thing about colleges. And then I want to talk about, like talk about the election coming up. Cause I think it'll be good to talk about 2022. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to say this thing about colleges. So what you were saying is going to community college. I think we should definitely, I think the narrative or people are becoming more awoken, waken, waking, waking up, whatever. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Not woke. (laughs) Yeah. Not woke. Um, Y'all know what I'm trying to say though, to the idea of community college. Eye opening. They're opening their eyes more to community college. Cause I think, and I'll use like, for example, like my family, like my parents obviously are black and they are older. So they grew up way back in when it, black people weren't going to college. So it was like, it's a big deal. Like it was never like a question of whether I was going to college or not it was like you're going and I think now that we and have I think with of- our generation it was that because I never thought I wasn't going to college true and I think now that we have gotten past that because it was an elite not an elite it was it, back in the day if you graduated from college you were guaranteed a middle-class life no matter what you were going to get a decent job and I mean to this day there are still I remember I applied for this um job at one of those just like you know when you get out of college you don't find a job you kind of apply to these like random sales jobs in the office Mm -hmm. and there's the bros and then you're just kind of so I applied to this job didn't get it funny story he was like oh it seems as if you're more interested in politics looking at my resume why are you here and I wanted to be like because you're hiring anyway um <laughs> for that job need money <laughs> yeah I'm like you need money no one else has hired me I need to but anyway so my point of bringing up that job was like they just asked for a college degree in general and I had a friend who didn't go to college and she really needed a job and she could have done the job it was a simple sales job but they asked for a college degree so I think that that 
there are so many jobs, especially back in the day and probably right at the beginning when we were entering the workforce that required a college degree, not many are requiring that level of college degree anymore. So there are open doors. And I think people just felt like they had to go, you have to go to college or you will not, you will, because she struggled a little bit because she didn't have one. I mean, nowadays though, she has, well, first of all, she has her own business. So she's living and thriving in that, but And that's one of the beautiful things about America. You can still make it work. It might just be harder. But my whole point being, I think that people are now understanding that you don't have to go to that four-year college right away. Even, you know, you community college is a great, especially because, I mean, money is a thing. I think we also kind of forgot about like, or we didn't care too much about like money. Because I just, I know there were a few things that I did slash signed in college that I was just kind of like, well, I'll figure it out. And it's like, you can't. You know, 26 year old Mallory is, is having a problem figuring out. Um, but yeah, I just want to say that about college. All right, really quick. So 2022, what are some, um, you were saying like 2022 is coming up. So now we know elections have consequences. I forgot who says that all the time. I feel like Dim say that. Every Republican. Oh, really? Republican ever. (laughs) Okay. I feel like Dim say that too. Well, everybody probably says like whenever their person wins or loses, but elections have consequences. So we see the consequences of these elections. So I really do think there could be a red wave in 2022. How are you looking? What are you thinking for 2022 in North Carolina, across the country? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I definitely agree that we do have the potential for a red wave, right? Um, Going across the uh, Representative Hardister's district, as well as being fortunate enough to travel across the state through other different organizations uh, like the Young Republicans and the uh, RNHA and the College Republicans, you get to see a, a large group of people across different demographics, age groups and stuff, and they're angry. They're angry about what they're seeing coming out of Washington, the inefficiency, the multi-trillion dollar backroom deals that are being made. Um, And and I think that we do have the potential for a red wave. The problem is Republicans need to seize the day, seize the opportunity, seize the messaging and not drop the ball. Because even, even though we say 2020 is right around the corner, we still have 2022. I'm gonna correct you. I'm gonna correct you every time. I do not want to go back. I don't know if you're putting something out that I, I'm gonna correct you every time. Continue. Like twice if you <laughs> Yeah. It's the no. matrix. Yes, it is. Uh but no, 2022 has the potential to be that, but we need to keep that momentum going, right? We need yeah. to get the messaging right. Uh, we need to get our people trained. Uh, and, and get our, get folks engaged, really, um, yeah. and that's what's going to keep this engage this involvement and this movement going, right? Yeah. If we stagnate now, if we get comfortable now with saying, "Oh, people are mad right now," there's no guarantee they'll be mad in November, True. right? I so- think about that a lot. I'm concerned that like some okay. Remember when um, Obama? It wasn't even him, but they killed Osama under Obama. Everybody and their grandmother, Obama. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Osama under Obama. Osama under Obama. And everybody's like, Obama, Obama, USA, USA. We were all happy and everything. Like if he had had an election that next day, everybody would have been like, Obama. Yeah. So I'm concerned. Obviously, I, I can't think of anything that Biden could do that well, would I like. Think, yeah, I think it goes back to like all like the COVID stuff last year, which is what was like the big moment for Dems like that was the only reason why Democrats won in 2020 was yeah. because of COVID and how that halted Trump's 
economy. Well, I'm concerned mm-hmm. that something like that is going to happen last minute and then the Dems are going to kind of, that's why I want us to like keep going and be momentum. Right. But I'm concerned something like that is going to happen last minute. I don't know, like maybe we get control over China and North Korea and then all of a sudden we're like a world power and Jesus, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know but, what could be, but, but you know what I'm, I'm trying to but say. But genuine, genuine, genuinely people are angry. Uh, I won't say who, just in the off chance she'll she'll hear this podcast so i'll just label her as a friend um who definitely leans left and 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 definitely you know no like is on that side of the aisle and ultimately she's been like okay let's talk about these mask mandates what's going on you know why, why why are we at a certain percent of vaccination rate but my kid still has to wear a mask. And even though there's no evidence of that and this, that, and the other. So I think people are sort of like you're saying, waking up to that idea of like, you know what, government, this this government or these current politicians that are in office are overreaching in what we, and we're, and we're not okay with that, you know? Yeah. So I, and to piggyback off of that, I have a friend, a friend. I guess he's a friend. He's somewhat, yeah, he's one of those people I don't know what to call him. But we're friends on Facebook still. And he like, anytime I posted anything like positive Republican, he always has something negative to say. Mm-hmm. The other day, this man goes to his laptop or phone and types, we were better under Trump. Ha ha ha. And I was like, Ooh. wow. I, I screenshot. I was like, this is, I, I never thought I would hear him say that. So, I mean, I definitely know people are done and tired. Mm-hmm. I, I know people like I just like you said I hope we can keep that momentum and I hope we don't get um complacent because I think that's another problem we can be um yeah. we can be like right. oh we got it in the bag and then nobody campaigns yeah no you always <laughs> have to run every election like you're 10 points behind right it's that and an- but this time it's it's real like yeah you never despite whatever the election polls say or what you you feel uh, going through community meetings and, 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 and community events and stuff like that, you have to keep getting that message. You have to keep with that same passion on day one that you have on day uh, 77, right? It, it's frustrating and it's tiring, particularly for those of us that are in the campaign sphere, but that is the only way we're going to win is keeping people motivated because we're motivated, yeah. right? Um, because I, I feel like, again, if we fall into, if we fall complacent, we're going to lose. Yeah, and we're gonna and I we're agree. gonna miss i think the best opportunity that we have in this decade to retake the house and maybe even the senate yeah you know so kind of going off of that um part of your very long resume is you are vice chair of the hispanic republican hispanic coalition am i saying that right uh, the National Republican Hispanic Assembly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> close. And um, close I kind of want to touch on that a little bit too. So what's also really interesting about your story is that you're first generation American. Mm-hmm. Your parents left El Salvador over a civil war. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And came over here, came to America, finding freedom and opportunity and has. And a lot of the beliefs in the Hispanic community are aligned. Sorry, Kennedy's readjusting herself. <laughs> are aligned with Republican beliefs, but Hispanic populations generally still vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And what messaging can Republicans do better to? Because in the end, they believe is like they. Sh- in theory should be voting Republican based off their beliefs, whether they're not. 
Like yeah. what are what are we doing wrong? Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, you touched on an, an interesting point there. Yeah, my family uh, left El Salvador. Uh, particularly my dad. He was a uh, first of all. Uh, I, I think my dad should write a book someday. He's got some I think so too. <laughs> Out-of-the-window out stories about different things. You should ghostwrite it for him. Yeah, something like that, man. Like, I, I definitely wanted to sit down with him with, like, a tape recorder or something. But, all right, Dad, let's just talk. Because he's got some incredible stories. But really, um, my... And he uh, hardly speaks English too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and growing up, him. growing up, all of my teachers were Miss Teacher. So, <laughs> <I love laughs> but, but, but yeah, so the, the reason why we ended up in America and, and a lot of Salvadorans ended up in America was because of the Civil War. You remember in the 70s and 80s in places like Colombia, Cuba, Nicaragua, El Salvador, there was this, this sort of communist wave that was going through all of them. And El Salvador was one of the places where it was very ferocious. Um, and uh, actually, my grandmother worked in uh, for the uh, pro democracy uh, army, uh, and and so I I always tell people we have a proud uh, history of kicking commie butt uh, <laughs> in, in different countries. It. But but yeah, um, and I told you guys this uh, at the beginning of the podcast. But um, this is this is new territory for me as because I. Uh, Throughout my entire uh, sort of track uh, of being involved in politics, I've always been sort of engaged with young people and 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 sort of like the youth and and the you know the future of our country and the future of our state and yada yada yada, right? But yes, there uh, this this is new territory for me and this new role has been very exciting. One of the things that we did uh, a few weeks ago, uh, our chairman Charles Lopez uh, put together a sort of listening tour across the state. We went to Charlotte, Burlington, Greenville, and Wilmington, uh, and these are the areas of the state that represent a large uh, a large uh, uh, number of, of of the Latino population, and you think Hispanics are going to come to a? This is another uh, clue into how angry people are. You think Hispanics are not going to come to a Republican event? We had thirty people showing up consistently mm. at these events, and we wanted to talk to them about messaging. We wanted to listen to them uh, to say, sort of, you know, what um, what are we doing wrong as a party? What can we improve on? Uh, at, at the convention uh, in Greenville uh, in June, when I, when I got to speak, I, I, I told people, you don't have to convince uh, Repub uh, or Hispanics on policy. We already agree with you. You just have to get the message to them mm -hmm. uh, because there's big deception, right? There's, there's two major national media networks uh, that are Spanish speaking, right? There's Univision and there's Telemundo. And they have a very, very biased agenda, period. Mm. You know, and, and, and one of the things that uh, I like to tell this story as well is the fact that I was, um, I was driving to work one day last year during the general election, and I turn on the radio uh, because my phone had died, and um, mm. I, I stumble upon the, the Hispanic radio channel here in Raleigh. And a Cal Cunningham ad comes on the radio. And it's like, Cal, in Spanish, and it's like, Cal Cunningham is a devout father and a strong Christian who believes in Christian values and this, that, and the other. It's Cal Cunningham, the, the guy, okay, continue. 
<laughs> yes, that's how Cunningham. So that's the, the, the thing. one so, that cheated on his wife during mm-hmm. the election cycle and got kicked out of his house. Yeah, yeah I was like, some, yeah. He's a devout family, family man, husband and father, and 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 goes to church, right? Um, and that's what's being fed to people, right? Mm-hmm. Up until recently. Uh, and and the Virginia election was very telling of this. The the, the very recent gubernatorial election in, in Virginia is very telling of this. That Hispanics are starting to wake up to this sort of stuff and starting to vote Republican. The thing is that there just hasn't been any messaging to them mm. uh, in, in any case. I, I I think that that also because that also comes uh, because of the belief that Republicans or that some Republicans have uh, in assimilation. Right, that if you are from another country, you should assimilate to uh, to the American culture. I think that there's some merit to that. I definitely think that if you become an American citizen, you should uh, salute our flag and believe in in in, the, in those American values that make us unique. Right, uh, mm-hmm. but on top of that, like you said, there are a lot of people that have a language barrier that have uh, a. a sort of that regional barrier as well uh communities tend to stick together and so you do still have pockets of latino communities here and there and and up until recently there has been a hesitation to sort of reach out to these communities a because i don't think that we've seen them as republican voters but b because i i believe that we haven't had the ability to talk to them. We haven't had bilingual speakers in the party. We haven't had sort of targeted messaging, but I think that the advent of this sort of data-driven approach to campaigning uh, has, has let people tangibly see that there are Hispanics out there that are voting Republican and that lean conservative. And I, I think that uh, we're starting to sort of take that back. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm very optimistic, and that is the project of the RNHA is reaching out to these voters, and not only that, showing or, 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 or teaching local GOPs, congressional district GOPs, how to talk to Hispanic uh, voters, to how to hit them on the issues that matter um, to them, and also it's it's I I believe that the diff, the defining message is going to be that we are the party that, and goes back to this, this this principle we were talking about earlier, we are the party that is going to deliver results over rhetoric, right? Mm-hmm. You have a problem with your roads, we'll get them done. We need, I think that Republicans also need to come together on a comprehensive immigration plan that is strong on, on the Southern border, that builds a physical Southern border, because look, the crime that is pouring into our borders is affecting our communities. We're the people that 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 get hit with the criminals and the drugs and the crime that comes in through the southern border. We're the people that have to put up with that stuff, and we're sick of it. We're tired of it. So mm-hmm. we want a public safety. We want a strong southern border, but there also needs a way. There also needs to be a way to deliver to people who are deserving of it a pathway to a residency, to a work visa. Or, or even citizenship, whatever that may be. I'm happy to be part of that conversation. Obviously, I don't have a, a I think it should be X, Y, and Z, and that's it. But I oh, think you don't that already have the plan? I don't, unfortunately, I don't have oh, okay. a plan. Uh, sorry to disappoint <laughs> tonight. Well, but, I think step one needs to be, essentially, Fox News needs as a Hispanic channel, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and or it's a Spanish-speaking channel, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, what is um, the percentage of his, um, of Spanish speaking in America? You know, I don't, right off I don't the know. Head. I'm not, I'm not so sure about America. I know that according to the last statistic that I saw, Latinos and Hispanic make about 12 to 13 percent of the, uh, of the population of North Carolina. And a I lot of them I want to say st- that's nationwide. No. I want to say. Is it more? Yeah, it's way more. Black people are 12% have stayed 12%. That's it? Yes, black people are just 12% and have stayed 12% for years because Mm -hmm. of abortion. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, black, um, Hispanic is the number one rising. um, Yeah. Yeah, because I know it's rising. Okay, that's interesting. I I didn't realize, yeah. And one of the things that uh, was particularly eye-opening about this listening tour that we recently did was that a lot of them are still doing those agricultural jobs yes. uh, in the far uh, east yeah. of the state. That was incredibly eye-opening. To me. Migrant I, you know, grew- farmers or migrant mm-hmm. workers? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, and so sort of talking to, to them about agriculture, which is something you don't think uh, uh, Hispanics would 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 care about but that's something because it's their jobs it's their livelihood right right so as y'all know agriculture continues to be the number one uh industry in north carolina for a reason and 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 this is the reason why right and so i think that we've sort of gotten over this sort of hesitation to uh reach out to the hispanic community um because the, the old stigma the old dogma was that oh they're all democrat voters well, because nobody's reaching out to them. That's yeah. why. But now that they are organically, along with everyone else, starting to vote Republican because they're angry about what they're seeing and what they're hearing, now we have a, a, a golden opportunity to reach out to them and make them part of our coalition, right? Yeah. And think that the is top, the mission of the RNHA. What are the top three to five issues that the Hispanic population deals with? So I'll tell you. Um, this uh, this was uh, something that was made by our friends at the uh, National Republic Senate Senatorial Committee. I want to give them credit uh, just in case they yell at me and say I shouldn't have used data. Um, but 1,200 uh, Hispanic likely voters in Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Ohio were surveyed for this. And, you know, they were asked questions on capitalism versus socialism. 67% of Hispanics had a favorable view of capitalism. Which is Um, because they left socialism to come to a capitalistic country. Exactly. Uh, Let's see. 64% of Democrat Hispanic voters were uh, said that they agreed Sorry, I read this wrong. Sorry. 51% of independent voters that are Hispanic agreed that Democrat policies hurt Hispanic families, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, and I'm reading, I'm reading this off of what I'm, what I'm you know, live on air, so I, so I apologize for the hesitation. 60% of uh, Hispanics strongly agree that public schools are, are failing our kids and they're falling behind the rest of the world. So when you talk about big government spending, education, these are the issues that they care about as well. You know, yeah. it's not, it's, I, it, and, and that's another thing that I think that we have sort of failed as Republicans. We think that Hispanics only care about immigration. That's a big part of it. But 
they have school, they have children in the, in the workforce, they have children in, in the school systems. And look, most Hispanics have no option but to send them to public school where they're yeah. teaching them stuff like critical race theory and, 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 all, and all that other stuff, right? And they don't like it. And it's starting to reflect in the vote in the voting booth. So again, we have a wonderful opportunity to add them to our coalition, but it's up to us to, to, to seize on that opportunity. And this goes back to our conversation of complacency, right? If we're complacent and we think that um, we've got the votes right now because everyone's angry and we don't get creative and do the good work that the RNHA is doing with the Hispanics, that the Frederick Douglass Foundation is doing with African-Americans. I, I think that, uh, and I have to give a special shout out to Michael Watley, the NCGOP chair. He really has put an emphasis on young people and minority outreach because he doesn't see it as a, a statistic, but he sees it as a worthwhile coalition of people who share our values and share our concerns. So, you know, it, it, it's been a, an honor uh, uh, to work with the RNHA. Again, it, it, it hasn't been something that I have focused on a lot in my political uh, career um, just because the opportunity hasn't presented itself, right? Um, and, and, and I used to tell people, and this may be a little bit counter, counter, counterintuitive or counteractive, but um, what I appreciated from the Republican Party at the beginning was the fact that I wasn't a statistic. I wasn't a Hispanic, male, straight, yeah. you know, middle to low. I was an American. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. said, son, you're an American. You need to defend the values of this country and defend the values of your state. And that is limited government, the freedom to worship, the freedom of speech. And, and, and so, yes, we need to have a targeted approach to Hispanics, but not because they're Hispanics, but because they share our values, right? Mm, and, and share our concerns and not say, oh, you're my token Latino or you're my token this. It's you have genuine concerns that affect all of us yeah. as Americans, as North Carolinians. Mm-hmm. And that it, that is what originally helped me fall in love with conservatism is that I wasn't special, right? Or wasn't a, 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 a something to be well, praised. Well, you special to me. <laughs> this is going to be the intro when people listen to our um, podcast, this little section right here. <laughs> I'm loving this. So, so, so yeah. No, so, I... I Ahead, well, no. I was going to say really quick, I totally get where you're coming from with that. Um, I really do feel like, especially at the beginning of my run in politics, pro-life movement, I was just seen as just someone who was an American, someone who was pro-life. Um, I do understand why now I am, you know, asked to do certain things that are more um, identity, but I like what you said that it's not because you're not trying to convince Black people to be pro-life, you're just trying to show that the values that you grew up with, your culture shows that it actually is pro-life. I love that. That is such a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mal, I have one more question. Do you have anything you want to ask? I was going to ask the girl question. Okay. Well, I'll ask mine and then you ask yeah. yours. Okay. All right, Juan. So what advice do you have for a candidate or a local, like a county GOP that wants to reach out to the Hispanic population in their community? Uh, call the RNHA. 
<laughs> right? Smart. No, 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 of course. Look, we are happy to help. All We have a, a fantastic team of people all across the state. Uh, I also am more than willing to travel to any corner of the state. Uh, people say all the time, you're everywhere. Because I feel, I, 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 this is a mission, right? That mm-hmm. we need to not only spread uh, conservatism amongst Hispanics or um, young people, but conservatism in general. And that means being involved with your community, talking to people. And, and not only that, that makes you also a better policymaker, right? I, I, I hate canvassing, door-to-door canvassing during election Love season. It. I, I hate it with a passion, but it is incredibly necessary to do. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're knocking on the door of real average people that are out of your echo chamber and you're saying what tell us how we're doing tell us how our candidate is doing tell us how our party is doing and tell us where you think our country is going and that is real experiences and concerns that then I can bring to Raleigh and I'll remember it I'll think about it I'll ponder it and be like that's who this piece of legislation is helping that's what this law is 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 calling to address the concerns of this person down in Whitsitt or down in Oak Ridge or down in Charlotte, right? To answer your your question, I think that that broad approach of of, of values, um, you don't have to have a Hispanic night or anything like that. Just go talk to them. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes you think that you have to have like these specifically catered events. We'll do that for you, right? But you'll be surprised at the meaningful and valuable conversations you'll have with someone if you just have the courage to knock on their door and talk to them. And Beautiful. I don't I don't know how to ask, I guess, just be frank about it. Is the Hispanic population, like, comfortable talking to Republicans? Or do I just say, like, I'm a community leader? Like, is it okay to go in saying, hi, I'm a Republican? can I talk to you about my values and your values and what we can be doing better? Is it that, because I know in like, in like the African-American community, it is kind of challenging going in saying, yeah, you I'm a Republican. Like, like, you can't do I'm that. Is yeah. that the same way with the Hispanic community in your opinion? In my experience, right. And, and, and look, this is something that is actually currently being studied. Um, and I think that I'll have another packet about that in a few months right? as to what is the most effective approach. Since this is so new, that data isn't mm-hmm. available, right? But I think that, look, like when, when you have somebody knocking on your door, as a kid, I, I was always told you never, never open the door, right? When it's a stranger, you never open the door, especially when it's a stranger with a clipboard or trying to sell you something. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, I'm just here talking to the community. And I think that's just on principle. I don't even think that's a, that's a Hispanic thing. I mean, when I door knock, I never tell people, even there's a script. I, I never go along with this. I'm gonna get in trouble. I never go along with the script. Mm. I, I, I find a more conversational I'm a way. <laughs> I find a more conversational way to, to, to ask the questions like, hey, I'm just in the community uh, volunteering for XYZ candidate. What do you think about this? Do you plan on voting? If I see that they're turned off, like I won't, you know, I, I won't budge too much, right? But, you know, go out and vote or whatever. But when you're talking about issue based and stuff like that, I think that, yeah, that sort of more amicable approach, community engagement approach is better than I'm a Republican activist. And I'm here to tell you how the GOP is going to save America. 
gonna come off too strong right yeah that's fair um and so that that would be my biggest advice there as well as you know be be friendly um ask more questions than yes talk yes then tell them yep yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no one wants to be told how to think you need to let them come to the conclusions you want them to go to Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so well Juan we have one question left that we ask all of our guests um and it's a big one no I'm just joking well I get no it is pretty big what is the Um, meaning of life yeah in less than 10 words Um, (laughs) so the question is if every single girl in the entire world was looking at you right now and they needed advice from you what would you tell them it could be about anything it could be about politics okay it can can even be about like okay if your little sister comes up to you and goes I need advice what would you tell her yeah let's frame it the way that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't have to be about politics it can be about anything whatever like, no, no. anything yeah no, no, no. whatever you think uh, is important I, I would say that um you know ladies get involved in, in politics i mean i okay. think that 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 we you know it, we i think it was margaret thatcher that said that if you want uh if you want something to get done in politics, if you want something to be spoken about in politics, you ask a man. If you want something to get done in politics, ask you ask a woman. You ask yeah. a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 so I, I'm proud to say that when I was the uh, chair of the College of Republicans, we had a majority female board, uh, completely on accident. That was not on purpose, mm-hmm. but we 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 definitely benefited from their creativity, their drive, their passion, and I think that what we need to see more of is girls uh and and women that dare to dream that dare to run for office that dare to 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 achieve those goals um in in what has traditionally been that sort of smoke-filled room that the good old boys club and stuff like that right um i think particularly i've uh, during my time in college i've studied a lot of southern politics and southern cultures in particular and we we I, I think that we would benefit a lot from having a female perspective and females at the table you know and and i think that as our party continues to grow uh, into this next decade uh and next couple of decades women are going to um w- women are going to to play a critical and vital role uh, not just in the Republican par- uh, Party, but just across the board. And so be prepared, be ready, be courageous, and don't let anything stop you uh, or anyone stop you from achieving your dreams and your goals. So. That's beautiful. That's great. I will add one more thing. I'm going to add something too. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> well, I know one is taking a woman in politics class right now. And I wanted to know what's the biggest thing you've learned in that class? what's the biggest thing I've learned in like, the what's class? The, your biggest takeaway from that class you know I, I've actually enjoyed my 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 women in politics class this semester and I know that that that's shocking to hear right but but <laughs> it is because because I, I I will say and this may not be the case uh across the state um but at least at William Peace University where I go we have a world-class fantastic political science department that genuinely tries to stay in the middle and tries to hear all perspectives right like we've heard from like 
we, we've studied the works of like Betty Friedan and Sojourner Truth and stuff like that. But we've also analyzed like the writings of Margaret Thatcher and did a writing assignment on Candace Owings. And, and so one of the things that, um, that, that really struck me was on the very first day of class, uh, my, my professor, who's a woman and I respect her so much, uh, she said, she said, ladies, this is not a man hating class period. If you think this is a man hating class, you're in the wrong class. And I saw like the two or three feminists in the back just deflate a little, right? But, <laughs> but, uh, but, but we're going to learn about how women have affected policy and how they will continue to affect politics moving forward. And so we've sort of taken an objective approach to that in the, in the actual yes women had to fight for their right to vote and had to fight for their, their sort of seat at the table and sort of, you know, sort of breaking with the traditional role. But, but, but what does that also mean, right? Is there a benefit to the politics of housework, to the politics of location? Is it a choice? It, you know, would you take your, your, your spouse's last name or do you think it's important for your own uh, opportunity? And, and sort of, it's not so much, a, it hasn't so much been a woman in politics uh, uh, class as well as a let's ask the big questions in life and in society mm. and 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 that sort of well-rounded approach to it I think has been incredibly beneficial to everyone you know because I've n- not only have I seen sort of the shortcomings of what our political system has had for women but also the awesome opportunity that they have to be able to rise above that and to be able to sort of again take control and take the steering well and they're beginning to do that and that, and that is very optimistic. I see that with a lot of optimism. So that's been my biggest takeaway from the course. It's sort of, uh, I think that as a conservative, you, you should go to college expecting to have your uh, values and your beliefs challenged. The challenge there, right, is to be, be, become a better conservative with better rounded arguments uh, uh, for, for the debates and for the discussions. And I think that this class has done that a lot for me. I really want to end on that, but I, I do want to add this one last thing. I really thing. wish that was I was so in that good. class. <laughs> yeah, that class sounds fantastic, especially because you're hearing both sides. And I mm-hmm. think that's so important. Neat. On both sides, they don't do that, if we're just being honest. Um, but I wanted to add, too, about women in politics. Um, future female leaders um, use the code MALPOW to get 10% off. Um they have a t-shirt that says the future is conservative female and I how I see that because I know some people find that very controversial but how I see that is like even there's those spaces there's a lot of spaces that are run by liberal women this is also where conservative women where like while we're saying we can step up we can take we can be brave we can be bold go out there in these spaces that are typically run by conservative or liberal women it, mm-hmm. We don't have to let them win anymore. Like there are conservative women and it is our turn. That is our time to come up and step up and be in these positions. Perfect example. And we're going to wrap it up. This podcast, for example, like Vic and I, well, Vic, because they blocked me, but Vic found this podcast that's similar to ours, but it's, um it has a similar mission, I feel like. And it is run by liberal women. And even some of the podcasts that we've talked about that we're trying to counteract, it's all run by women who lean more to the left mm-hmm. now is the time for us conservative christian women to step up and be in these spaces that are normally run by those women 
Absolutely. I, I think the mission that you guys have, the purpose that you guys serve is very beneficial because there's nothing, there's almost nothing like this. You know, you've got, and, and look, no hate on them, right? Ben Shapiro and, and, and all these other fantastic podcasters, but you need a space, uh, there, there, there needs to be a space for women in this field because you, again, you guys bring a perspective that sometimes we overlook things that you guys think about are things that sometimes we don't think about right mm-hmm. yeah. and, and 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 the service that you provide think about it whoever's listening to this and tunes into your podcast weekly you you're potentially inspiring the next Nikki Haley the next you know who, who whoever conservative conservative women leaders who are going to go into the next decade who are going to go in the next couple of years and and be emboldened by what you're doing today so i encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing uh it's very special what you guys have and 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 really just the amount i you know as as vic mentioned i'm very close friends uh with both of you i would say and 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 i see the amount of work that you guys put into this the 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 uh, the amount of time and creativity and effort and i just want you to know that it, it, it it does pay off even if you don't see it i know that there's somebody out there there's a young girl a young teenage girl right now that's listening to you and saying i want to be like them and in, in my mission, my my mission has always been that I want to make sure that if I, I don't find myself, quite frankly, that inspirational. But if somebody is going to be inspired by what it is that I say or do or how I've lived my life, I want them to go further to reach that next yeah. mountain. And yeah. and 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 I feel like that is what our mission on this earth is, right? Yeah. So so yeah. So oh, so okay. keep, keep it up. Yeah. yeah, thank we you. We find you so inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And I know everyone is going to love this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, and because you do love this episode, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, uh, comment. And Juan, do you, is there any social media you want people to follow you on or... Uh- I'm, I'm literally anywhere. So, so find me anywhere. One PLTZ, uh, either on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. I think I still have a MySpace. Um, Ooh, so- that still exists. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's a, like a music and dance. Juan, I thought you were too young for MySpace. Oh, no, so I you, came in just, okay. You're so I'm a 22. Child. He's a baby. I'm 22. Right. So I, I came just at the, at just like, the very end. I'm were older you born than in you. the nineties. 99 oh, so, wow, so, so 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 the jury's out whether i'm a 90s kid or not i You're like not. to think i am but the older people oh, well, like, i will say you are yeah. an older soul like that's true <laughs> i forget that you're so young yeah most that's people do thing. yeah most people do thing. people people get shocked when i tell them i'm 22 around here um um but yeah <laughs> so everyone follow Juan. i'll link all of his stuff also too if someone is interested in um joining their hispanic Assembly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, if they're interested, please let Juan know. He would love to get you started. Um, he would love to help you. I'm volunteering him, but that's okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Charles would kill me if I didn't if I didn't uh, plug in the RNHA. But yeah. uh, but no, I, my DMs are open for anyone uh, who who wants to have a a conversation, and I'm I'm always happy to meet new people. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I hope this is the last time I'm on. I've actually really enjoyed it. This is my first podcast I've ever done. So, ever? Yeah, oh, ever. Well, we keep so, talking honored. about 
Okay. Yeah, we keep saying you need to do your own podcast. Oh yeah. I've been thinking yeah. about it. I'm trying to. Uh, Those I've other been boys. About it. Those other boys. <laughs> <laughs> with and Sebastian. Yeah, something like something like that. I think Sebastian and I would get in trouble with our own podcast. So I, I probably oh, need 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 a more uh, a, a host a, a co-host that'll rein me in, right? Um, I don't know who but, we know that would yeah, do that. Yeah, like five-hour episodes. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'd I be like, long, I would like, say like y'all we'd would be, have like five-hour episodes. We'd be Joe Rogan on steroids, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I would love to do what Joe Rogan does. Just keep literally all you do is just talk and chill. That right. to me, he is living the life. Living anyway. the life. No, I've thought about it. It's in the workshop. It's it's you know it's one of the one of the uh, couple of projects that I have, but I'm just kind of waiting uh, until after right finals time. yeah after right. final season and 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 graduation to, where i have a lot more time uh to do sort of stuff like this and so again i can yeah, we gotta you guys... get you across the stage first yeah, yeah yeah gotta do that gotta get that diploma <laughs> well all right you guys uh thank you again juan um like i said early oh i also think this will be a good episode to share with liberal lizzie's we didn't get too too well we in the talk- weeds of policy yeah in the weeds but- yeah yeah but we did i think it'll be a good episode to show with your liberal lizzie friends because sorry i'm like laughing because my brother overheard me say that one time and he said it sounded like a slur and i was like no <laughs> it's just our name anyways it just made me think of that um but yeah like this is a good episode because Juan talked about some things that people might not hear often. And I think that is one of the reasons why the things that we talk about on this podcast are important because one of, I know both of our goals is to show the Republican party, show that conservative values are for everyone. And they're not just these mean evil guys that are on their keyboards that probably live in their basements. And eh. I thought those were Democrats. (laughs) <laughs> let's be honest it can, and you know now you can't say that to your liberal living friends <laughs> <laughs> anyway my whole point being that um i think this is a good episode because he did touch on some topics that um republicans i don't think talk a lot about and i think your liberal lizzie friends will get something out of this um but yeah i hope so, so i hope so <laughs> i no seriously i think they will so everybody make sure you share this with them and rate review subscribe Oh, also to, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at thoseothergirlspodcast and on Twitter at TOG underscore podcast. Those are the girls changing culture and bringing back traditional values.